0: Well, it's great to have you here this morning. Take your Bibles, if you will. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and also Psalm 19. So if you want to get your Bibles and go there. And uh, while you're going there, in honor of bike week, right, bike week, Phil told us about that yesterday, I'm going to show you a 20-second video clip that is going to illustrate the pressure of being a preacher at family camp. Okay, so you ready for this and honor bike week, pressure being a preacher at Family Camp Week. Watch this. See, here's the deal about being a preacher at Family Camp Week. You gotta listen to me five times in five days. And if I crash and burn coming out of the gate this morning, you're all gonna dread every night having to come back and listen to me. And you're gonna start coming up with excuses why you can't be here. So my goal this morning is to come out clean and fast so that you wanna come back every night. That's my goal. And uh, and hopefully we can accomplish that goal. So uh, I've known Phil Betts for well, I think we were in grade school when we first met in Ankeny, and uh, and like I said yesterday, I haven't been back to camp for forty years. And so yesterday, um, as we were walking around, Phil was showing us around a little bit. He brought us over into the chapel, and and this is what he said to me. He said, "Let me tell you something about Family Camp Four. It's a full week." And then he said this, but it's not because of you. That's what he told me. And I'm like, well, how, how do you know it's not because of me? He said, because it filled up before we announced who the speaker was. <laughs> so there's nothing like starting the week with a little humility, right? And so Phil just kind of like laid that right out there for me. And, uh, and, but I'm really glad to be here. Uh, my wife, Kelly, is here with me. Uh, we have two daughters, two son-in-laws, and we have six grandchildren. Uh, we live in Crawfordsville, Indiana, which is west-central Indiana. It's a town of about 15,000 people, and we have lived there for 24 years. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about me so we can get to know each other a little bit. Um, I am, uh, like, I love adventure, okay? I love adventure. My TV hero is Indiana Jones, Okay, so that's can to tell you about what I'm like. And I've hiked the Grand Canyon. Um, I've jumped out of perfectly good airplanes with a parachute on my back. My wife still doesn't understand why you would do something like that. Uh, I've almost been eaten by crocodiles on the Amazon River. Um, I've been chased by police in the West Bank of Israel um, I drove a NASCAR ten laps around the Daytona International Speedway. Um, like I, you give me a little bit of adrenaline, and I'm going for it. Uh, last week, a guy in our church came up to me and he said, "Hey, uh, I know you love doing crazy stuff. So uh, next June, I'm going to send you down to Kentucky so you can go noodling for catfish for the very first time." Has anybody noodled? Who's the noodlers? You know about it, but you've never done it. That doesn't count. <laughs> and if you don't know what that is, go Google it, all right? But, but next June, I'm going to go noodling for the first time, and I'm super excited about that. I grew up in Ankeny, and my dad was the athletic director and coach at Faith Baptist Bible College for 15 years. And so some of you may recognize the name Dave and Carol Thompson. And I went to Ankeny Baptist Church, that's where I grew up um, as a kid, uh, and have uh, just some great memories from back in those days, Uh, very exciting. I met my wife Kelly at Faith, we got married, Uh, we went to um, Indianapolis for the first 12 years of our ministry, I was a youth pastor, and then for two years we were in Columbus, Ohio as I served as an associate pastor. And then for 24 years, uh, we've been in Crawfordsville, Indiana, as the lead pastor. And in, in 1998, we went to Crawfordsville uh, to a church revitalization uh, project. That was the first time I'd been a lead pastor. And uh, Crawfordsville's 15,000 people, and we rolled into town. And uh, we had been asked to come and try to breathe some new life into this dying church. And when we arrived, there were 20 elderly people. The average age was 64 years old. We were 35. There were no kids in the church, two men, and the rest were just elderly women. And we were asked to revitalize that church. And we came in and we started working and we started loving on them and loving our community and preaching the gospel. And over the last 24 years, God has done immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. Because today our church runs about 1,000 people on Sunday morning. And last Sunday, we had a celebration Sunday where I officially handed the reins of our church to a next-generation pastor to be the lead pastor of our church. He's 38 years old. And we had a succession plan that we worked for about two years, and all of that culminated last Sunday morning... And I stand here before you today for the very first Sunday in 24 years that I'm not the lead pastor of Rock Point Church anymore. And that's a really cool thing to be able to hand a church off when it's really healthy and going really well. And over the 24 years that we had been at Rock Point Church, there had been a lot of pastors and churches that reached out to us saying, hey, how did you do the revitalization? Can you help? And we helped in ways that we could over those 24 years, but, of course, time and all of that. And so we helped in some informal ways. But what God started doing in Kelly and my heart um, over the last couple of years was um, so many people were reaching out, needing help, that we decided to start a ministry called Small Church USA. And it's a revitalization ministry to help minister to hurting pastors and hurting churches that need some help and need some encouragement and need a plan for how do we revitalize our church? How do we get it healthy? How do we get it moving forward again? And so we started our ministry. Uh, we have um, our booth in the back there that you, can, uh, that you can go look at if you want to. But um, in a year and a half of we just kind of soft launch this, um, we've already worked with over 60 churches from 11 different states that have said, will you help us? And, and so if you've got some questions on that, uh, we'd love to talk to you about that. Uh, we're diving into it full-time now, and, uh, and we're very excited about that, and about what God is doing. And uh, we are just really jazzed up about uh, this next season of life for us to be able to pour into pastors and churches that just are discouraged and need some help, and, and that's what we're going to be doing. But it's great to be here with you. I want to tell you why camp is so special to me. Uh, I grew up... Coming to this camp from as young as I can remember, I came to junior boys camp. I actually came to junior girls camp. My mom was the nurse that week. And so me and my brothers came and it was a great week because we just got to run around and just goof off the whole time. I came here in junior high camp and then I came here and worked four years as a lifeguard. And, uh, and there's, there, uh, there's an old flashback picture. I'm the one sitting up near the front with like the red and black striped shirt on. That's me. Now, when I looked at that picture, I said, I was a lifeguard. Like, do you really think I could have pulled anybody out of the water that was drowning? <laughs> like, I look like I'm 75 pounds soaking wet right there, right? But, but... Like, I grew up here. This place means the world to me. And when I was a junior boy sitting down in the basement of Jensen Hall, I don't remember who the speaker was, but I remember that night he challenged all of us junior boys, hey, listen, uh, if you think that you're willing to do whatever God asks you to do in your life, Just give your life to Christ. If He wants you in full time ministry, if He wants you to be a pastor or a missionary or whatever it is, like I want you to come forward and just like dedicate your life to Christ. And I walked down that aisle that day over in Jensen Hall as a junior boy, probably 50 years ago now. And I said to Christ, hey, listen, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. Never knowing that 50 years later, I would be back preaching at this camp. And I want to tell you, my heart is so full just to be back here today. And when I was in college studying to be a pastor, these are the life verses that just jumped off the page at me. Uh, they're in Psalm chapter 71, and they'll be on the screen. And it says this, since my youth, O God, you have taught me. And to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation and your mighty acts to all who are to come. And I want to tell you, when I look back at my life and I can see how because of the upbringing I had with my family, uh, the churches that I grew up in, the camp that influenced my life in such a great way for Christ, and now when I'm old and gray, because that's where I am now, I'm still able to declare the mighty acts of God to the next generation the sitting here and the people that walked onto this campus for this week. And I am so thankful for Phil for calling me and saying, hey, would you like to come and minister at Family Camp, I'm glad that I'm here with you this week, and I'm praying that God will give us a great week together. And so that's a little bit about me and Kelly, and uh, Kelly's a Michigan girl. She grew up in Michigan. We met at Faith and got married, and we love doing life and ministry together. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to dive into God's Word this morning. Lord, we are so thankful for the privilege that it is to just be able to look back over the span of our life And look how you've led and guided and directed us every step of the way. Even me now, being able to be full circle back here at the Iowa regular Baptist camp and thinking that 50 years ago I dedicated my life to Christ right here, and now I'm back preaching to the next generation that are walking onto this campus. And so, God, I pray that you would be with us, that you would help us, that you would strengthen us, encourage us this week, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me, let me give you my three wins for family camp, because here's the great thing about preaching five times. Um, you don't have to give them all in one message, right? So I get, I'm going to lay the foundation for where we're going this week and what we want to accomplish this week. And I'm going to do that today. And then, the, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we're going to dive into one just specific passage of scripture together. But here's my three wins for family camp. And if you're taking notes, they're they're in your note sheet there. Number one is I want us to enjoy the experience of being here this week. And I love the theme, life is more than a game. And it certainly is because as followers of Jesus Christ, we know that how we live in this life, there are eternal ramifications to how we do this right now. And so I love that theme. But I also would say this and suggest this. That while we're going through this life that God has given to us, let's enjoy it as we go. Let's enjoy it as we go. And a couple of months ago, Kelly and I were asked to go speak at a pastors and wives retreat for a bunch of pastors and wives from Illinois and Missouri. And, uh, and they said this to me, when you come, um, here's what we want you to speak about. It's been a hard season for our pastors in our churches the last couple of years. We want you to come and encourage them and lift them up and love on them, and we want it just to be a positive shot in the arm, something that will be very life-giving to them as they come. And so I went to the book of Ecclesiastes and started studying the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, you're like, you're crazy, right? Uh, But the Ecclesiastes is actually a really great book. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, if you have your Bibles and you turn there, um, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I want to hit a couple of highlights that Solomon starts off by saying this, you know, I tried basically everything this world has to offer. Chapter 2, verse 1, I tried pleasure. Chapter 2, verse 4, I tried projects. Chapter 2, verse 7, I tried possessions. And then he comes in verse 8, and he says, basically, I've tried the delights of the heart of man. I've tried it all. And then look what he says in chapter 2, verse 11. He says this, Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended on it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun." Solomon says, I tried it all and it didn't amount to anything. That was his conclusion of everything that he tried in this life. And you know, sometimes there's things that that we do that it seems like, man, in this life that's just toilsome labor that I do over and over and over again and it never gets me anywhere. What would some of those things be? Well, Phil asked the question in the last hour, and somebody said, what do you enjoy about camp? And somebody said, not having to cook. Anybody thankful they're not having to cook this week? Does that ever seem like toilsome labor that we just do it over and over and over again? Somebody said, cleaning my house. Anybody glad you don't have to clean this week? That we got this great staff that's doing that for us? Right, this toilsome labor. You you know what I named my my riding lawnmower? Ecclesiastes that's that's what I named my lawnmower because mowing your yard is vanity and a chasing after the wind isn't it I mean you mow it and then seven days later what what does it look like looks like you never mowed it and you have to mow it again And then seven days later, it looks like you never mowed it and you have to mow it again. It's just just toilsome labor time and time again, a chasing after the wind. And Solomon finally gets so fed up with that. Look what he says in chapter 2, verse 17, where he says this, So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me for all is vanity and striving after the wind. I hated life. And then look at what he says in verse 23. For all of this days, for all of his days, man's days, are full of sorrow. And his works is vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This is also vanity. And so Solomon goes, this life stinks, basically. And I tried it all, and it doesn't amount to anything. And then in verse 24, it's like he flips a switch, okay? It's like everything changes in verse 24. And so look what he says in verse 24. He says this, There is nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? So he goes from, I hated life, to, well, I guess we should enjoy this life. And here's the difference in how we view life as God's people. That even though things can be challenging and toilsome, we know that God can redeem anything and everything for good. Can I get an amen on that? Everything can be good with God. And and I love this quote by Daniel and Jonathan Aiken on their commentary on Ecclesiastes. Um, For this passage, they said this, In Christ we are redeemed to recover and pursue God's design for our lives, which include enjoying the material gifts that he has given to us. You see, even though this life is hard, and we know that that life is more than just a game, right? Ecclesiastes chapter 12, at the end of the book, uh, Solomon says, here's the conclusion of the whole matter right? Fear God, keep his commands for everything we do. We're going to, are going to come into judgment, all the good things and the bad things. So we know that life is more than just a game, but after Ecclesiastes chapter two, for the rest of the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, but let's enjoy this life while we're doing this thing that God has given to us that can be toilsome at times. And so let's put that next screen up there because I want you to just see like all of the different times, all the way through the book of Ecclesiastes that he says, man, enjoy life, enjoy life, enjoy life. And I love chapter nine, verse seven, eat with joy. Now that's a camp verse right there, isn't it? Like, like we're going to leave here in a little bit, we're going to go eat some more, and we're going to do that joyfully this week, and it's going to be great. But look at chapter 5 with me, if you've got your Bibles, look at chapter 5, because I want to read this little section, chapter 18 through 20, because he just sums it all up in this again, Ecclesiastes 5.18, Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all of the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth or possessions or power, to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, for this is the gift of God. Let's enjoy it while we're here. And I think that makes, like, if we come into this week going, man, like, we're just going to enjoy all that God has given us this week. That's going to be a great thing. I love Ecclesiastes 8.15. It's one of my other life verses, and it says this, so I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for a man under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad, and then joy will accompany him in his work all the days of the life that God has given him under the sun. So let's take a little advice from Solomon this week and say, let's enjoy the week. Who's up for that? Let me see your hands, right? Who's already enjoying your week, right? Man, let's just have a great time, right? Let's have a great time. But while we're having a great time, let's make sure that we're on mission, that we're on mission. And we're going to do this purposefully while we're here, which takes me to win number two that I want to talk to you about this week is let's make sure that we are going to encourage and strengthen others as we go throughout our week. So let's not get our focus on ourselves. Let's keep our focus missionally going, I'm coming here to have a great time. Nothing wrong with that. But let's be missional about it and say, as I go throughout my week having a great time, How can I encourage and strengthen others around me as we're here? Because if we go through this week and our focus is on others instead of just purely being on us, it's going to create a great week for everybody that's here. Because let me ask you this. How many of you think that there might be somebody here this week that's hurting a little bit? Think there might be somebody here that's hurting a little bit? Might be somebody here that's having some financial troubles, health issues, family troubles, whatever it may be, job issues. Listen, there's people here that need to be encouraged and need to be strengthened. And if we're going to focus on helping each other this week, it's going to make the whole camp atmosphere be something that's going to encourage and strengthen all of us. And those two words are a are a really cool little study in the Bible to encourage and strengthen. And you see it the first time in Deuteronomy chapter 3. and Deuteronomy chapter 3, and I'm going to put this verse up there so you don't have to turn to it. But in Deuteronomy chapter 3, Moses is fussing with God about not being able to go into the promised land. And God finally says to him, hey, Moses, you're not going. Okay, no more arguments, no more discussion, you're not going. But here's what I want you to do. And he says this, commission Joshua... Encourage and strengthen him, for he will lead this people. God said, Moses, this isn't about you anymore. It's about everybody else. And I want you to go encourage and strengthen somebody else. We come to the New Testament in Acts chapter 14, and we see the same thing with the Apostle Paul where the apostle Paul um, in Acts 14 is stoned and he's left for dead and he's revived and he and Barnabas go and they finish, uh, they they go back and visit some churches that they had started. And here's what Acts chapter 14 says. Um, They preached the gospel in that city and won a great number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystrum, Iconia, Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Encourage and strengthen. The word encourage means that you come alongside and strengthen means you shore up what's already there. Come alongside and shore up what's already there. I want you to, if you've got your little uh, notepad there, okay, got your little notepad, I want you to look at the bottom of every day that we're gonna be here at camp. There is a little section in that notebook that says this, I encouraged... Blank today, and I strengthened blank today. And I want you to be very intentional this week to go, I'm gonna, every day, I'm going to look to encourage somebody and strengthen somebody, and I'm actually gonna put their name in there when I do that on purpose, on mission, as I'm enjoying this week and having a great time. And I would say this, maybe try to do that with somebody that you don't know. Do that with somebody that you don't know, and you'll get to know somebody new. How do we encourage people? Well, I put in your, in your notes there just a whole different list of things. I mean, uh, and I think, is that on the screen? The next one up there? No, there it is. Um, it could be a kind word. It could be letting somebody cut in line in front of you and giving somebody else honor. It could be acts of kindness, a great attitude, obey the rules, have fun, laugh, goof off. Um, it's going to set the culture for the week if we get everybody trying to encourage somebody else. That will make a great week. And I want to tell you this, that Kelly and I are here this week to encourage you. That's what we're here for. And if you, if you want to do something with us, um, if you want to uh, play pickleball with us, we're going to jump into your lives and we're going to play pickleball with you. Now, we've never done it before, but we really want to try it. So if you're really good, if you want an easy win, pick us, okay? That's just kind of how that works. But if you want to zip line with us, if you want to do paintball, if you want to go boating, if uh, I mean, whatever it is, if you've got two seats at your table and you go, hey, come and join our family this week for a meal, we would love to do that with you. If you invite us into your lives, we're coming. Okay, so if you invite us in, we're gonna jump in and we wanna be here to encourage you, get to know you, build into your lives and be an encouragement to you in any way that we can. We are here for you this week and we want you to know that. How do we strengthen people? Different than encouraging, but how do we strengthen people? Well, here's a, like, how about just praying with somebody, right, there's hurting people. What if you just sob and said, hey, let's just pray about that. Let me me strengthen you that way today. What if you had a spiritual conversation with somebody? You had devotions with somebody. You shared with somebody else how God's word has impacted your life as you've gone throughout this week. Um, Counsel with somebody in a tough season of life. And I want to say this to you as well. Kelly and I and, and Chad, we've already talked about this, the program staff. Listen, we're here this week to encourage and strengthen you. If you have a need, if you're struggling in some way, like, come and find us. We will pray with you. Uh, We will laugh with you. We will cry with you. Uh, We will counsel. We'll do whatever it takes. We'll open God's word with you. We are here this week to make sure that this is the best week that you can have at camp and that you're here for a reason. And that reason is not only to encourage and strengthen others, but maybe is to be encouraged and strengthened by somebody else. And if we can play that role in your life, we would love to do that and it would be an honor for us to do that as well. And so so think about it purposefully, like let's have a great time, but let's be on mission and let's do this thing on purpose to encourage and strengthen other people. And then here's the last thing. The third win for the week is this, is we want to examine God's word. Right, We come to camp because we know we're going to open God's word and we're going to take a look at it and we're going to dive into it. And I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 19 because we have one passage that we're going to dive into in our evening sessions and we're going to stay in that one passage. And it's Psalm 19. And I'm calling this week Psalm 19 with a cherry on top, okay? Because this is a great passage. And I want you to see what we're going to look at. Psalm 19 starting in verse 7 This is where we're going to spend our whole week. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure or trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them, your servant is warned and in keeping them, there is great reward. And so here's what we're going to do this week. We're going to look at that and we're actually going to put it to the test to see if God's word is true. Now, um, anybody notice this box sitting up here? Yeah, a few people noticed the box, all right? So one of the things that, that we're going to do this week is, and this is what I love about camp, right? Camp's not church, okay? Camp's camp. And you can do some fun, creative things, like how many of our churches have that as the backdrop, right? Um, how many of our churches have a zip line or a pool or a paintball course, you know? So, so camp's camp. You get to have fun. You can do some things in a little unique way. And so one of the things that we're going to do, a couple of different things, a little bit unique. One of them is this, that I, that I brought my little treasure chest here. And everybody likes a treasure chest. And, um, and every night before the kids get dismissed, I'm going to have them gather right down here in front because I want to connect with your kids as well. And I want to encourage and strengthen them. And I want them to understand a little piece of what we're gonna be doing with you before they leave. And so, so I've got my treasure chest here and I've got some really unique items in here and I'm just gonna pull them out because I'm gonna use these with the kids and mom and dad, you can just pay attention while I'm doing it with the kids, right? But some of these are gonna amaze you. So I have a, uh, I have a magic coloring book. Anybody like magic? Oh, uh, yeah, look at all the kids. Yeah, like, okay. So, so I'm going to use this one night. You're going to see what we're going to do with that one night. That's going to be super fun. Um, I have a, uh, a rat trap. Oh, we got kids raising their hands. What are you raising your hands for? <laughs> like, you don't even know what we're going to do with this yet. Um, but I, but I have a big old rat trap. And I mean, these, I mean, those, I mean, that's powerful stuff, right? So, uh, so one night we're going to, we're going to demonstrate something with a rat trap. And uh, and I may have one of them come up because it looks like they are just looking to lose fingers or something. I don't know, I don't know what they're doing back there. Um, we have a uh, we have a trumpet nozzle. Okay, well that's interesting. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna use that one night. Um, I have a, uh, I have a uh, thing of M and M's. Anybody like M and M's? Yeah. See, look how fast all the kids just woke up. Right. It just takes one little thing of M and M's. So we got that in there. Uh, we have balloons, everybody likes balloons, okay? So we're gonna use balloons one night, uh, that'll be fun. Uh, let's see, what else do I have in here? Oh, um, I know you can't see this very well. This is an Indiana Jones action figure. Right, yeah, right on, right? So that's just my good luck charm is all that is. And, um, and then, um, then, then I've, got, uh, I've got some things that I brought from Israel. And uh, so I have, a, uh, I have a flint knife, flint knife that I found in Israel. No, you can't have my flint knife. Put your hand down. That kid wants to do everything right back there. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you about that. Um, this is, uh, this is uh, found in Israel, and it's called a sling stone. And uh, so when, the, when they would do battles in, the, in ancient Israel days, um, they used sling stones And, um, and so it was a long, like probably leather strap with a pouch at the bottom and another strap. And, uh, and they would put this like this size of a rock in there and swing it and then let go of one of the straps and it would fling this thing. So when you're thinking about the story of David and Goliath, okay, we think, uh, yeah, David killed him with a stone. And sometimes we think, you know, oh, he took a little pebble and put it in his slingshot, you know, uh, think this, think this. Is what David was slinging in his stone, and uh, so I picked this up at a place called Hatzor, which is a, a biblical place that uh, Joshua conquered. Uh, and then I've got a couple of I've got a couple of artifacts that that I've uh, that I actually have dug up in Israel, and uh, and this uh, big piece of a top of a big pottery rim I, I dug that up in the right outside of the city walls of Jerusalem at the city of David, and a really cool find there. And uh, this is a this is a really neat pottery handle um, that dates back. Uh, this is from a Zeka, uh, dates back to the time of probably uh, around Joshua's conquest, that kind of a thing. And uh, and so we've got some really cool artifacts that we're going to look at and talk about. And and here's here's where we're going to go this week uh, that I think is going to be really interesting and fascinating um, and a little unique for camp is we're going to talk about Psalm 19. And and Psalm 19 tells us that the word of the Lord is trustworthy, it's pure, it's clean, it's right, it's all of those kind of things. But here's the question, is it? Is it? And we might go, well, yeah, yes, it is, right? We believe God's word is all of those things. But can we prove it that it is? And so so I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. His name's Joel Kramer. And uh, this is Joel and me at the Sea of Galilee Uh, Joel is a dear friend of mine. Joel is a biblical archaeologist. He studied for 10 years in the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. Uh, He now lives in Amman, Jordan. Um, He he takes tours uh, all over Jordan and Israel, and and I've been to uh, Israel with him many, many times, and I've been all over Jordan, all over Israel. And one of the things that we're going to do this week, every night, is we look at looking at is the word of God sure, is it trustworthy, all of those things. I'm going to take you to a place in Israel to look at the archaeological evidence to prove or not prove if God's word is really true and what it says. And I'm going to take you to some places that even if you've been to Israel, you may not have been to these places uh, because all of the places that we're going to go are in the West Bank. And uh, and they're places that normal tour buses do not go to, and and therefore I think even if you've been there, like there might be something new that you're going to see or experience and learn about that maybe you never have before, and uh, and so so that's where we're going to go. Psalm 19 with a cherry on top, and and to give you just a little glimpse, okay, just a little glimpse of of my good friend Joel Kramer. Uh, I'm going to show you a 7 minute video and then we're going to be done, okay? And and just to let you see who this guy is and and, and like this dude has some serious chops when it comes to being a biblical archaeologist. He went to Sudan and videoed um the earliest inscription of Yahweh that has ever been found. And it's one of the most fascinating videos I've ever seen. It's seven minutes. It's just a video clip of him going and finding this and explaining to it. And of course, that's incredibly important to all of us, right? How far does the word Yahweh go back in the history of our world because that's the God that we believe in. And so seven minute video clip. Watch this real quick. Who's coming back tomorrow night, right? Let's do this. Let's have a great week together, right? Let's enjoy the week, let's encourage and strengthen others, and then let's explore God's word and examine it to see and put it to the test, is God's word really all that it claims to be? So let me, let me close this, should I close this and pray for the food, all of that, and then we're good to go, right Chad? Right on, all right. Hey, why don't you stand with me? Let's stand together. Lord, we are so incredibly excited to be here. God, we, if we can accomplish these three wins, if we can enjoy the week while encouraging and strengthening others so we're on mission and we can examine your word to see that it is all that it claims to be, that is going to be a win for us when we walk out of here a week from now. And so we pray that you'd give us a wonderful week together, that you give us new relationships and friendships, God, that we would leave more encouraged and strengthened than when we came. And we know that God's word will do that for us, but help us to do that for one another. Bless the food and our time together as we go to eat. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.